Warning. At this podcast, we love two things. Swearing and Jesus. And probably not in that order. We cover sensitive topics and things that could be triggering. So please proceed with caution. And wear headphones when at work, in public, and around children. We're glad you're here. Come on in. And don't mind the mess. Hi, I'm Charlie. And I'm Vivian. Welcome to the pod. We are glad that you're here. In case you haven't met us yet, we're two friends journeying chapter by chapter through books that examine faith, knowing yourself, and what it means to be a woman. Our discussions are raw, authentic, and occasionally uncomfortable. Thanks for joining us. Come on in and don't mind the mess. Hey, bud. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, great, great. I'm excited to be about ready to record our final chapter of, of the book. This Pussy. book, yeah. Yeah, you ready to be done with this? I am so ready. And I know this will probably be a little bit of a longer episode because we okay. got to do this last chapter and then do our wrap up feelings. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I am pretty excited Excellent. to move on to our next adventure. Excellent. Well, before we get too far, let's do our check in question. So, how do you come today? I, hmm. I come refreshed and optimistic and a little mad. Ooh, refreshed, optimistic, and a little mad. I'm a little spicy. What an excellent cocktail. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. How do you come today? Um, I come... It's interesting. I'm like, I'm both energized to be here because I always love recording with you. And I'm a little tired. And I'm feeling good because I just had a snack. So You did. Do yeah. you want to tell the people what you snacked on? Um, I had some hummus and pretzel slims. I think you're one of the first people that ever really introduced me to hummus. Seriously? I think I had one person give me hummus before and they gave it to me with apples, which was yummy. Well, you liked that? Yeah, it was pretty good. Hmm. But I didn't start eating hummus regularly until we lived together. That's pretty excellent. I prefer my hummus with savory foods, like mm. salty and savory, versus a sweet apple. But that's probably more just because I want to dip my sweet apple in sweet caramel. Ew, that's too much. Oh, that, that is so good. Um, I like dipping green apples. Ew, what is... Yes, uh-uh. sour and sweet. Do you ever eat those caramel apples? I mean, caramel apples. Caramel no, apple suckers? No, I hate caramel... Oh, I like the sucker. Yeah. But that's all sour. pretend. Yeah, but it's the sour and the sweet, and it's so Yeah, good. but when you have it in real life, it's not like that. Yeah, it's better. No. I When I was a child and my grandma would give me caramel and apples, I would eat all of my apples using as little of the caramel as possible so that when I was done, I could just eat the caramel straight. That's disgusting. But that is caramel. also not why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyhow, I had hummus and pretzels. So here we are. Chapter 9. The pussy end. revolution. Pussy. No, sorry. Not the pussy sorry, revolution. Not the, the pussy pleasure revolution. <laughs> yep. Um, you texted me while you were reading this chapter and you said. I did. OMG. I feelings. Feelings. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. You want to just take it away and tell us what you got? Yeah. So this chapter, the end chapter of 
this book is called The Pleasure Revolution, and it is about community. Great summary. That's my entire summary. It's about community. Yeah. More specifically, specifically, I guess. Yeah. Female community. Female community being a, what does she call them? A sister goddess, not assassin, activist. There we go. A sister goddess activist. (laughs) Sister goddess assassin. No. I could write a bomb book about that. Activist. (laughs) I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's the entirety of what this chapter's about. Yep. We're ready to dig right in. Dig. Okay, so it starts off pretty strong with a quote from Maya Angelou. I've sort of realized as we've gone through this book that if I hate the quote at the beginning of the chapter, I'm not going to like what follows. <laughs> and this is a little different because I love the chap- or the quote at the beginning of this chapter. And then this was probably the most disappointing chapter of all for me. Really? Oh, I'm so excited to hear this. Maya Angelou said, open your heart, fling your hopes high, and set your dreams aloft. I am here to hold your hand. I put this chapter starting off with promise. Two exclamation marks. I was... Two. I I set my sights too high. Oh. Like a movie that got talked up too big and then... Yes. And then it was garbage. So sorry to hear that. Well, maybe as we go through the second time, you'll be able to approach it from a lower standard and therefore see the good in it instead of just approaching it from the higher standard and seeing the bad. No, I think what's going to happen is that you always have a way of wording this book. <laughs> that way my dumb dumb brain can under No, I'm no, no, no. I'm Don't not you be doing dumb. that. You're not a dumb dumb. <laughs> but that way I can understand better all right let's do it okay hit us with your first hot take okay so first of all and this is a little ways in so we'll get there she misquotes harriet tubman (laughs) okay i i totally looked it up and you're absolutely right and come on now do better but i do better in your research super funny that right here that's what you're leading with oh yeah there's more I know, I know. But that's my biggest. She misquotes Harriet Tubman. Who is, you know, who is my very personal number one hero. Oh, yes, absolutely. Even above Joan of Arc. And I think you know that Harriet Tubman is one of my absolute favorite people in the world. So I know. You and I, hi, hi. If we were having dinner with dead people, Harriet Tubman. Oh my gosh, I'd be at that dinner. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So just so y'all know, the quote that is not actually Harriet Tubman's quote is, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if they only knew they were slaves. But we will talk about that in a minute because there are other things between the beginning yeah. of this chapter and you, when you that straight bitch... up skipped over the handless maiden story. So, I mean... We'll get there. We'll get to Harriet Tubman. We'll get there. But now we've got that out in the open. Yes. little foreshadowing there for you folks. Yeah. Let's circle back a little. Let's circle back to the beginning. (laughs) Okay. So she's talking about how her, when she. hmm. Her major metaphor for the book, because I feel like each chapter she like sort of has a major metaphor Mm -hmm. that she 
tries to pull through the whole chapter. Right. Whether she does that well or not is another question. But (laughs) the one in this chapter is being a mother to her daughter, Maggie. Yes. And specifically the point of this ancient part of her was engaged for the first time. She took her newborn Maggie into her arms and she was suddenly like connected to herself as a woman in a different way. And like all of the obstacles that she had thought were in her life. She knew that she could overcome them. If not for herself, then for Maggie. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. That was aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You got feelings. I I'm do. super amused right now at all your feelings. So I'm having a great time. I'm glad you, you just bring those feelings raw and real. And I'll just keep chuckling over here. Loving every minute of it. It's messy. This it's podcast so good. is messy. Yeah. Everything's a hot mess. This chapter is a hot fucking mess. <laughs> okay. So that's her sort of that's her main metaphor it's what she starts out talking about and the first thing that really irritates me is she says what i noticed was that being a mother awakened parts of me that might never have awakened if i hadn't had her and i'm like okay what that essentially says is that women are incomplete until they have children Boom. I am so glad you said that because when I read that, I went, hmm, I wonder how Charlie's going to feel about this statement here. Because I I identify with and like, I'm like, yep, I, I'm going to nod my head at that whole something different, like something changed in me when I became a parent, right? And I've heard similar things from other people, but at the same time, this premise of oh man, here's my story of having a child and I became a new person that could have never happened without having this child. I'm like, oh, that feels pretty disqualifying. Like yes. if you don't have a baby, you'll never know what it is to be fully engaged in your divinity and your force of nature and all the things. And like, I want to have children. Yeah. But- Here's the thing is that there are some people in this world who don't, and that's totally acceptable. That's totally amazing. And just because you want to have children doesn't mean you can have children. Right, exactly. And just because you can't birth children naturally doesn't mean you can just go out and adopt a baby easy peasy. Like it's, that is, there are so many people who struggle with childlessness. Yes. In one way, shape or form. So yeah, I didn't love didn't love that either hated that again i i understand why she uses this story yes because i'm like yep there is something weird and carnal and like i don't know it there's a weird carnal thing that happens where you're all i will die for this child (laughs) and i don't feel that way towards anybody else's kids and you know me i love kids i love lots of people's kids but you know what I don't love anybody's kid as much as I care about mine. And so I understand her whole illustration, but I'm like, "Mm, maybe not your best move there because that feels pretty alienating. Right. I think if she had just tweaked her wording. Maybe. Yeah. 
that would have been fine because essentially what she's saying, and she does say a little bit later on, is that, you know, whether you're birthing a child or an idea or a project Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, giving birth to something changes you. Absolutely. And she says this thing that I do, I find interesting because it sort of encapsulates the idea that, you know, she's talking about how she would do anything for her daughter, mm-hmm. including overcoming a tidal wave of her own perceived limitations. And I just think it is interesting what we can do for others that we can't or won't do for ourselves. Right. And that is the point that she's trying to make. Yes. Lots of times we say, oh, man, I can't do this for me, myself and I. But when we're presented with another person, be it our child or a friend or whatever, we're so willing and suddenly able to like go that extra mile and push through that limit and just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she goes on to a fairy tale <laughs> that I, I didn't hate the fairy tale itself. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read it? No, I had never heard of it. I've never it heard didn't of give me suspicious vibes like the Harriet Tubman quote did, but mm-hmm. that's because I have read several books. Uh-huh. And watched several movies and studied her life pretty extensively. So I was like, something's amiss here. (laughs) But I haven't read enough Grimm's fairy tales. There are literally a bajillion. No, that's hyperbole. There are not literally a bajillion. There are not literally a bajillion. (laughs) But there are a ton of Grimm's fairy tales. So I could easily have missed this one. Right. And it seems very grimmy. Yeah, sure. This guy cuts off his daughter's hands to keep her from the devil. He seems okay. you got to back reasonable. it up a step. This guy is poor. The devil comes along and says, "Hey, I can make a bargain with you." Spoiler alert: Don't make bargains with the devil. Don't it do doesn't it. ever work out it's good. It's a terrible life choice. And he says, "Okay, what do you want?" The devil says, "Give me everything in your backyard, and I'll give you, you know, all the wealth and a prosperous mill and blah blah blah." And the miller is all like, okay, fine, whatever. All I've got back there is some trees. And so the devil makes the man wealthy and makes everything work. And a few years later, he comes back to collect his end of the bargain, which is everything that was in the backyard. And it turns out the miller's daughter was in the backyard. Dun, dun, dun. Playing with them apple trees. Playing with them apple trees damn apples so then the miller's like no my daughter and the devil's all fine you can keep her but only if you chop her hands off okay pause at this point in this story Mm -hmm. wouldn't the better thing be to just let the devil have her i think the better thing would be to fucking ask the daughter would you like me to chop your hands off right or Or would you like to go with the devil If those are your only two options. Here, I was totally surprised that the Miller's response wasn't, no, no, take me instead or take my hands instead. Nope, folks. Nope. He chops his daughter's hands off. He chops his daughter's hands off. He chops his daughter's hands off. And that's when I went, this is a Grimm's fairy tale. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Daughter must not have been very thrilled about that because, uh... She runs away by pain and betrayal. She's overwhelmed, so she runs away and wandering around and stumbles into the king's orchard. Where which? How do you just like prince rescues her? An orchard. (laughs) I don't know. It's a great question. The prince rescues her. 
falls in love with her beauty and her helplessness. Which I'm all, I want to read this story because are you I'm, embellishing this for your own right. good? I'm I don't very know. curious. I don't know. I'm very, very curious. But he marries her and has a pair of silver hands crafted for his wife. Which I'm all, do these hands work? Or no, just I think they're just like decorative. So people decorative aren't hands? like... Your your new bitch doesn't have hands. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Either way, they can still bound chicken brown cow, and yep. they get it on, and she's happily pregnant. The prince goes off to war as princes do. Turns out the devil is still a pesty little pissed off fellow who's mad that he doesn't have the daughter. So when the daughter gives birth and tells the prince far far away with her little message, "Hey, we had a kid." What was it? she's doing great i was just trying to remember if it was a boy or a girl nope it's just the child the gives child. birth to the child and tells the prince hey we gave birth to a child the devil messes with the message and says it was a changeling but the prince because maybe he's not a terrible guy is all like hey it's cool even though it's a changeling take care of it and love it and the devil messes with the message again and he's all like Psh, kill it kill you both so the princess princess the daughter whatever the handless maiden takes the child and runs away into the woods where you know she's all like trying to survive and then she accidentally while wearing the child on her back takes a drink of water from a river and her kid slips out of her little makeshift backpack into the river and is drowning drowning so what's she do hmm? she puts her hands in the water to try and save her baby she has no hands she puts her arms in the water sorry her handless arms <laughs> her handless arms <laughs> And to her amazement, her hands grow back, allowing her to rescue her baby. And in doing so, rescue herself. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I had lots of feelings about this story. (sighs) So, yeah, that's the story of the handless maiden. That's the story of the handless maiden. You said you have feelings. Tell me all the feelings. Okay. Mainly... I wasn't really sure which thing she was going to take here of like the princess didn't need the prince to rescue her or what a terrible father for being a terrible father or he did his best to try and keep her from the devil or what. But then it ended with she plunged her handless arms and rescued her baby and rescued herself. I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Got it. So later on there, which I kind of eye rolled about, I don't know. I'm like, it's kind of a long story to get around to that point, but whatever. Right. You could have, she could have shortened this. I. She's not good at shortening. It's fine. <laughs> I will talk about this when we talk about the entire book. Just remind me. All right. Okay. So she said, we're talking about, I, like many women, was that handless maiden. I had no idea how powerful I was until my daughter was born. And the amazing opportunity of raising her, I raised myself. I found my voice as a leader. I began to take the greatest creative risks of my life and to succeed beyond my dreams. I could not, would not, have had the confidence in myself to do what I had done if I had not been doing it on behalf of my girl. Which I'm like, okay, you know what? There are a lot of moms who have done that and a lot of people who have done that and still feels a little alienating to those who haven't had children. Yes, and it gets even more alienating in the next couple of paragraphs, which I won't read directly, but I'll just sort of let you know what's going on. So essentially, she's talking about women giving birth and how when they're in labor and the contractions are very strong 
And they're all like, I can't take it. It's too much. I hate it. They're all like, I'm gonna die. They don't need drugs or men or anyone to rescue them. Instead, they need another woman there saying, you know, I know it hurts, but nut up. You can do this. You got this. Mm-hmm. And somehow, through the support of other women, they find it within themselves to persevere and, you know, step into that power until the baby is placed in their arms. And that's great. Except, again, it's alienating. What if a woman doesn't have another woman? She'll still be able to give birth to that baby. Women have been giving birth for all of time. Yeah. I personally, I love birth and midwifery um, analogies when it comes to things like this. of What I'm going to call spiritual and emotional growth. I think it's a really cool analogy of in the same way that a midwife is not the person having the baby. A midwife is not the person doing any of the hard work or the struggle or the pushing, but they're just there to support and say, you can, you can, you can. And if needed, say, try like this, try like this here. Let me help you. Let me wipe your forehead. Let me whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like as a spiritual director, I love that metaphor of coming alongside someone who's experiencing the transformation of like growing a dream or an idea or a change of identity or whatever and walking alongside them as they do the hard work and just saying you can do this you can do this yes so I I, love that I love that too I thought we weren't on the same page but I do love that too my issue is again she's Speaking specifically to women. Like the example that you're giving is that anyone can come alongside essentially and be that midwife and help you birth those hard things. But she's like, nope, you don't need drugs or a man or anybody else. You just need that pussy power. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not, that's not available to everybody. It's not available to everybody. And I didn't super love that, if I'm completely honest. Um, I do think she has some good points yeah. about how women need to reevaluate their opinions about, uh, I'm going to say, women at large. <laughs> I was very curious. Okay, that's a little bit further down, which so we'll, is fine. We'll hold off on that. But I, I, will, I will say, like, this chapter was the most feminist feeling in a negative sense I think of like you need women and you need women and that's about it right and I'm like oh I didn't love that and maybe that's not what she was saying but that is a little bit of the vibe I got and I totally wondered to myself what would have happened if she had given birth to a boy right if she had had a boy child what what would I, his life look like? Right. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe it's the grace of God that she didn't. So Possibly anyhow, so. she talks about the importance of an initiated woman who has been through the same process before. Once believed herself too small for the task at hand, but who found, broke through and found a new level of turn on and power. These women are her sister goddess activists. Yes. And then... She talks about 
in the section called Your Desires Set Me Free. She says, we have all been taught that it is our birthright to be handless and helpless. That's not my experience. No. No. I I was a wild child Mm -hmm. whose parents were not perfect, Mm -hmm. but who sort of just let me be my wild self. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I sort of knew that I was louder and more powerful than the people around me. Mm-hmm. And it was my siblings and my peer group that sort of taught me not helplessness or handlessness, but that I was too much. Sure. Which is where the majority of my trauma is. But being handless and helpless, no. If I wanted something done, I would just do it myself. Or I would figure out a way to get someone to help me. Like, I didn't speak for a very long time because I didn't need to. I would just point at something and my sister would hand it to me. Mm -hmm. And so then one day my mom, I was pointing at a cookie. My mom was like, she has to say it if she wants it. So I look at her and I go, cookie. And I got my cookie. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you? I have no fucking clue. Oh my gosh. I have no clue, but my mom likes that story. And I do too. But... That's not my experience. What's yours? Um, Did you feel like it's your birthright to be handless and helpless? I don't think it's my birthright to be handless and helpless, but that's because that wouldn't have been tolerated. Um, I, I do think maybe it is the feminine experience of like, oh, you can't. Like, I despised women who were like, I might break a nail if I lift this heavy thing. I'm like, um bitch move over i can do this and so like i had um three brothers and my sister didn't come along until i was nine and at that point in time i jokingly say it was i was too far gone there was no hope for me right so like at that point in time it's like no i'm i'm not a prissy girl i've never been a prissy girl and so the if i (laughs) I would have never said, I can't do this because I'm a girl. Like that cop out is not something I ever used. And it's really interesting because I would say that I think that I've grown past that in so much as I no longer have to prove myself to be as good as or equal to the ability of whatever dude might be in the room. Like that's what it's coming from of this like fuck off i'm just as good as you. i'm just as good as you watch me lift this heavy thing i can fucking move the couch we can do this together and carry it down the stairs you don't need to find another fucking man to move this couch out of this person's house i am perfectly capable thank you very much right so like i've grown past that point and recognized like oh that's unhealthy that just I don't need I to can. prove myself. Just because I can doesn't mean I have to. Right. Um, and just because I could doesn't mean I need to volunteer and doesn't mean I need to push myself. And you know what? It's fine. If you want to take care of it, I don't need to do that hard work. You go for it, buddy. You 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 go, Glenn Coco. So you just – I think I think that's more – I don't see myself as handless or helpless. But I do think that is – a pervasive idea that maybe isn't so prominent anymore in our generation. I was just wondering, do you think that this is of her generation? I think yes. Her generation or the generation before. Because, you know, you watch movies and crap and read books and you're like, God, why is this dumb bitch such a dumb bitch? Like, (laughs) 
do okay for example i <laughs> love the movie princess bride okay i, I don't it. know what your feelings are i don't give I a fucking so flying much. anything deal love it i was raised on it okay my least favorite part in the whole movie is when they are in the what is it the the fiery swamp or the whatever mm-hmm. it is right yes. and they just come out of the quicksand and then the rous comes and attacks them right mm-hmm. okay and wesley's like rolling on the floor and beating this thing up and it gets off of him as he's been like mauled and it starts coming over to princess buttercup and she like scoot crawls away and the thing starts to get her foot like nibble on her toe and she's all (laughs) and she grabs this huge big stick and instead of clobbering the beast she like pokes its nose and it just pisses me off so much i'm all come on do something you are not a helpless bitch like this is ridiculous so that essence of like just sums it up really perfectly to me of what i hate about the idea of femininity like that to me says helpless and handless i can't do anything wesley save me i know you just got your shoulder chewed to pieces but this thing is nibbling on my toe and i've got this big stick in my hand but all i can do is kind of go and poke it in the nose right now i don't know how to use it like a baseball bat it just i I think that that's a perfect example okay i have major issues with the princess bride that's okay i don't want to hear them i don't want to hear one quick real quick i'm not gonna ruin this for you Look the book. Okay, okay, fine. I've read the book. I've watched the movie. I think my biggest issue is that these are male portrayals of how females are meant to be. Sure, absolutely. How the feminine is meant to be is what she's fighting against. Of I think there's. I think she's right in that there is space for beauty and grace and all good feminine things, and you don't have to be a fucking pansy. And for me, like femininity is hard because I don't want to be a fucking pansy. So therefore I can't be pretty. I can't be graceful. I can't be et cetera, et cetera. But you can. Turns out maybe I can. I mean, yes. I'm working on it, but like that's, that was my battle of, so no, I don't believe I was taught that I am a handless, helpless maiden. Um, but I do think probably more in generations past um, and probably still some in generations forward, the idea of, oh, you're less than, you can't as much, or whatever. I think it's probably within the culture. I wouldn't say it isn't, even if it hasn't exactly been our experience. Okay. It's a very long answer. I'm sorry, everybody. It's okay. <laughs> I whispered into the microphone, so we're both doing bad things today. <laughs> Not bad, just different. Mm. And so she goes on a little bit, and... She talks about, she talks more about how we don't think we have these things in us until someone else needs us. And she says something that I kind of liked, so I'll read it. She says, she's talking about how women require one another to achieve our own greatness. And she says, it means that the places where I doubt myself the most are my opportunities to connect with my greatness. Together is the only way for any of us to hit our maximum potential, to live into the deepest corners of our dreams and desires, to step boldly into our radiance and inspire other women by being a model of turn on. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm just going to say, I agree with the premise of this chapter that we need community. And I would even say we need female community. Yes. And I would even say, yeah, it's important. Some of the things she'll talk about later, I think those are really great practices. And throughout this chapter, I kept on thinking of our time at school Mm -hmm. um, and how there were women leaders there who specifically would talk about kind of this idea of by when I as a woman choose to be fully me and choose to like use my voice and be fully me and all the things and not hold anything back. Be a powerful person. Be a powerful person. I allow space for other women to do the same. Yes. I think that's how I would say it. Though at least that I think is the message that I received at school. And I've loved that. And I totally hold on to that. And I think back on that sometimes of what would it look like for me to be fully me in this situation and in this scenario? And how does me throwing aside my fears and just stepping forward with courage, what does that do to the atmosphere around me? What does that do for the people around me? How does my freedom help bring freedom to others? So again, the general premise of this book or of this chapter, I'm on board with. But The general premise... Yeah. Of a lot of these chapters. A lot of these things. Yeah, I know, I know. Are very good. Again, though, what you say, your interpretation, and what is actually written are very different things. <laughs> but in that instance, I enjoyed it. And that's why I said community, that was my one word summary of this book, of this yeah. chapter. Community. Community. It's important to have a sisterhood around you. Helping other women get into their higher orbit. Yes. Now, I will say, and I I still, I don't know how I feel about this. So her sentence here says, helping another woman get into her highest orbit is the fastest way for us to get into ours. Yeah, I was confused on the mechanics of that. She says stuff like this throughout the whole chapter, Um, which again, I'm like... I don't know if I disagree and I really dislike your motivation because if my motivation for helping you is to help myself, that feels kind of shitty. But I mean, I'm like, oh man, all I can hear is Charlie in my head being all this damn bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's like, it just feels selfish. Like I'm going to get mine. And it's like, no. I want my goal to be your good. And at the same time, I need healthy boundaries, which she talks about later on of like, you need healthy boundaries. But I want, it's kind of a, I need to choose to get myself into a higher orbit so that I can help you get into that higher orbit and reflect that back to you. And you know what? It might be a mutually beneficial, wow, it might be a mutually beneficial situation where me helping you also helps me. But if my goal for helping you is helping me, then that's, I don't know, that just feels manipulative and shady. So Right. Have you watched that. The Good Place? Um, I've seen a few episodes. Oh, I know it's like it, one of your favorite shows. I it guess. is. You need to get on it. But also, it's a, just what you were saying. They talk about that exact thing, about doing good things with bad motivation, right? morally speaking, is still bad. It's still bad. Yeah. 
And so I agree with you 100%. She gives this, I what I would say, this cute little story about these two sister goddess girlfriends at the school, Denise and Dara, who help each other out. It's cute. Yeah. It's nice. One of them's called Sexy Money, which how do you get a nickname like Sexy Money and keep a straight face? I don't know. You- <laughs> That's a great question. Um, this page is the first place that I like actually highlighted something that I liked. Mm. Um, she said, sister goddess activism is about inspiring one another out of our comfort zones. Yes. I like that. I agree. So then we get to something that I have feelings about. Okay. Before we get to that, would you like to talk any more about Harriet Tubman? Because you just jumped right over it. No, we haven't gotten to Harriet Tubman no, yet. You you literally just jumped right over it. It's Harriet Tubman is before the two sister goddesses. Okay. Sorry, this is a little bit of a mess, but that's okay. That's why we're here. It's fine. Yes. So thank you, Viv, for reminding me. I did. I was so mad that I didn't even highlight <laughs> the shit about Harriet Tubman. Okay. So first of all, can I just say that as someone who super loves Harriet Tubman, I didn't love her being referenced in this book. Me neither. I thought it was inappropriate. Agreed. Agreed. It didn't feel like an appropriate match of like, "Mm, I don't feel like you understand Harriet Tubman if you're putting her in here. And maybe I just don't understand you. Maybe. But I don't think Harriet Tubman was about her pussy. No. I think she was about Jesus. She was. (laughs) She was about Jesus. But you know what? She was not at a time to realize that Jesus and your pussy can be connected in a way that's not as dirty as it sounds. Right. So she's talking about, you know, how a woman who stands fiercely for another human being and stands in her full power can set people free. And she's talking about. She's using the example of Harriet Tubman. I fucking hate this. I hated this so much. Okay, stop, or else I won't be able to get through. Do you want me to just read it? No. I I won't read the whole thing. I'll just read this little couple sentences here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. It's only when a woman stands fiercely for another human being's freedom that she experiences the fullness of her power. We can see this in the women who came forward to at the end of the 19th century to abolish slavery. Harriet Tubman, an escaped African-American slave, did not simply make her way to the North and settle in for a comfortable life. She understood that slavery is as much a mindset as its situation. To free herself internally, she devoted the rest of her life to freeing others. False. Fuck that. <laughs> this is... I'm I sorry. Okay. That, I read that line. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Harriet Tubman does not belong in your book. She is so much better than this. So much better. Mama Gina, do better. Do better, Mama oh Gina. Oh my God. Okay. Not okay. So here's the dealio with Harriet Tubman. Number one, she, okay. For you to equate what you think the PWC is doing to hold women down to actual fucking slavery. <laughs> Is maybe not the best move. Banana grams and highly offensive. I have people in my lineage who were slaves. I cannot even imagine comparing. Number one, you shouldn't compare people's lives 
in general because comparison is the thief of joy and it's not going to help anybody to compare trauma. Right. But also, we have the internet, they were kept in chains. Like, I don't, even that isn't a great, like, you know, it's just like, it's ridiculous to me in general. And then on top of that, for her to assume that she understands Harriet Tubman's mindset towards slavery, she doesn't. She uses a quote that was later attributed to Harriet Tubman that has since been proved to be not something Harriet ever said. It doesn't go with her vernacular. Harriet Tubman was a very humble woman who did not brag about her accomplishments. She didn't even see them as accomplishments. She saw them as du- as her duty. As someone who was free, it was her duty God had told her to go back and free others. Yep. Not to free herself internally, thank you very much. No. She... Oh my god. She was free internally. She was free. Which allowed her to to sacrifice her life. Literally, every time that she crossed back... To go and save more people, putting herself at risk. You have to be so fucking free internally to be able to have that sort of courage and confidence just, oh and my gosh. faith to free somebody else. No. She had Jesus, friends. Yes. And this is where I'm like, mm, no. Harriet Tubman did not have pussy or the great pussy in the sky or the goddess. No, she fucking had Jesus. And this... Mm, I'm sorry. It just pissed me off so much. Harriet Tubman did not go back to free herself internally. She was so internally free. Yes. Thank you. Her saying she sit down. Right. Her saying she understood that even when literal freedom is granted, it may not mean the former slave is truly free. There is an internal game change that has to take place. That you're basing all of this, all your entire thesis falls apart because you have not used a correct quote. Sure. Like, there is something to be said about a poverty mentality. Absolutely. Or a victim mentality. Or a victim mentality. Or a slave mentality. There are absolutely things to be said about that. So again, I agree with your premise that you got to get your head in the right space. If you think that you're always going to be a victim, yes, you are always going to be a victim. You got to get your head in the right space. Right. But, but you know what? Keep Harriet Tubman out of your book. Keep Harriet Tubman out of this. Oh, so that's what I have to say about that. Okay. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Okay. So she talks about the two women, Denise and Dara. We've already covered that because I got all confused. And then she comes to the section that I am not so sure about. Okay. And I would like to know your opinion. She talks about how we have to unlearn what the PwC has taught us about women to women relating to embrace sisterhood that We've been taught that women are catty and envious and backbiting and emotionally unstable, that they're premenstrual, unreasonable, hysterical, that when given the chance, they'll take your promotion and steal your man. If you let her get close to you, she's going to use it for her own good. She'll take your good ideas. She won't give you credit. She'll put you down in front of others. You know, if she doesn't betray betray you, you, yeah, if she doesn't betray you right away, she'll do it eventually. 
I have not had that experience with other women. Fascinating. What about you? Um, I highlighted that section. Um, Me too. Just because I was like, uh, on some level, yes, I have a mistrust of oh. other women. Um, I don't think Me? that it's like reading this. I'm like, eh, I don't know. No, no, no. It's like this is mean girls from high school right oh, like okay. i don't think the pwc taught me this although you know mama gina be like it's all the pwc it's but conspiracy. like i'm sorry when we're in junior high and high school girls don't know how to be nice nobody and knows how to be nobody nice. nobody knows how to, nice to be terrible. nice but here's the thing i mean shoot you look at preschoolers they don't know how to be nice nobody knows how to be nice and so the thing is female children tend to be more emotionally um, aware than boy children. And so where the boys just punch each other and move on with their life, the girls will use their words and social manipulation. Like, I'm not your friend anymore. I'm going to go sit with Barbara over there because I'm not your friend anymore. Stuff like that, right? And so that emotional manipulation that starts at a really young age. And I think hits a climax somewhere around puberty, right? Of like junior high, high school, when you really start falling into your, I'm a popular kid, I'm not, I'm a this kid, I'm a that. And, you know, we categorize ourselves and so on and so forth. So like I have had some, I'm going to call it just betrayal from girls in my past. And that has translated into my adulthood as a mistrust in women in general and so i don't know if that's pwc um but it's definitely me of yep i i think i can agree with i don't really feel like women are to be trusted like um i was just talking to my husband about this uh yesterday actually no maybe a couple days ago whatever the time does not matter um of how I'm interested in joining a couple of moms groups, which is weird because I don't really like moms because moms are super, super comparative and judgy. And I'm like, I don't need to be around that vibe. And it was funny because my husband was all, so are you saying you don't like them moms or are you saying you don't like yourself because you're a mom? And I was like, yeah, um, I'm aware. I'm aware that I look around and I compare and I pay attention to things and I judge at least on some level. I mean, the difference is I'm not going to go around and talk about it. Right. But at the same time, I still know that I have my opinions and my feelings about like whether or not you're going to bed chair or co-sleep or sleep train or give your kids solids or baby led weaning or blah, 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 blah. Oh my God. Some of the things that people are just so overly passionate about. And in my opinion, most of the overly passionate piece, oftentimes it's coming from a place of insecurity and like, I need to prove that I'm right and I'm doing it right and affirm myself. And therefore I have no space for you in your narrative versus like a, Oh, okay. You do it differently than how I do it. I do it this way. You do it that way. I hope the way you do it works really well for you. That's great. How's that bed sharing working out for you? That's great. How's that sleep training working out for you? Awesome versus the oh my god are you kidding me you bed share or oh my god are you kidding me you let your child cry when they're how could you do that it's incredible so yes i highlighted this because i'm like yep i i think there is validity 
in her statement here of we as women are not good to each other um, as a general rule of thumb. I think that's really, I think what saved me, and this is going to sound so sad, is I didn't really start making friends until like high school. Yeah, that very well could. (laughs) Yeah. I had some good friends in high school. I will tell you that. But the friends that I trusted were the girls who were unpopular. Mm -hmm. Um, The girls who I interacted with and were popular were the girls that were in my sports teams. Mm -hmm. And like I was a B team player, not an A team, but I wasn't the C, B or the C, D or E team. Right. I wasn't bad. I just wasn't excellent. And so there was one year that I got to play on the A team for most of the year because at least half of the A-team got caught drinking. And so they were like suspended from playing, right? And that was a lousy year because I was stuck playing and spending time with these bitchy, catty girls who were super insecure about themselves and just terrible to one another and to me. Instead of getting to be with the people in the C, D, and E teams who are not good at the sport, but who are enjoyable, pleasant, and kind and polite to one another. So I don't know. It was really interesting. That was my high school experience. No, for me, it's like I had people thought I was weird is the thing. It's like I'm half black, I'm half white, I have ADHD, I'm kind of jubby. So people just like sort of avoided me because they thought I was weird. And so I didn't really like I had maybe one or two friends growing up but I didn't start making like solid amounts of friends until high school and really as an adult right now at 32 I'm I have the most friends I've ever had in my life I have way too it's too much right now (laughs) I don't know how to handle it but it's funny because even when I have experienced some I guess catty behavior because I am so drawn to women and I just love female community. Mm-hmm. Nope. It doesn't affect my adulthood life. I'm like, oh, women are awesome. And Fascinating. Also, <laughs> also, oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> also, like women have a tendency, even ones who don't know that I am gay, because this is a very recent discovery. Women have always been fine to leave me with their boyfriends and husbands. They're all like, no, you, we don't think you would ever do anything. Yeah. Like, we trust you 100%. I'm a very trustworthy person. You're a person. very trustworthy person. I was going to say, because you wouldn't ever try anything. You're not that kind of person. No. So, so anyhow. I, so I, I thought have it not was, had this experience. I thought it was valuable. I find it fascinating that you have not had that experience. Mm. But anyhow, let's move on. Really quick before we do move on. Okay. Listener, write in. Have you had experiences of women not being trustworthy or friendships that have been deep female trustworthy friendships? Let us know. We, we want to know. One more example of the backstabbing situation or the social climbing. I mean, whatever. Um, again, I have three brothers. Yeah. You wouldn't believe the number of girls who wanted to be my friend, air quote, oh. because they wanted to get close to my brothers. Like it, it's ridiculous. And so Never feeling used in a relationship of like, really, you're not interested in me. You're interested in my brother. And guess what? He's not interested in you. So piss off. Or like 
hey, you want to be my friend, unless somebody cooler or more interesting comes along, then I'm going to set you to the side and go off and be with the more interesting people. So that that has absolutely been my experience. And I mean, I've had a lot of issues with friendship. Sure. But I wouldn't necessarily gender it or say it's a woman to woman issue. It's like, sure. it's a childhood issue. We're garbage people until we grow up to either not be garbage people or to be even more garbagey. So that might be a good point. Yeah. But she talks about this idea of what if instead of only being able to connect with one another or with women through the lens of, oh, that bad thing happened to you, girl, me too, everything terrible, here's all my sad stuff. What if instead we brag on ourselves and we begin to positively speak about ourselves and about others? And so women celebrating women becomes a new way of relating. I loved that Mm -hmm. until she took it one step too far. What'd she say? I loved it. I did. Before I jump into the negative, I hate how negative this book makes me feel. It's okay. Because I am a generally pretty optimistic human. Yep. So I loved what she had to say. One of the things she said is each of us acts like a candle, lighting other women's candles until our whole world is illuminated. That is a beautiful picture. It is. It's like give the world a Coke. Love it. Could easily be on a t-shirt. And then she's talking about how, you know, we tend, the PWC has taught us that being a good friend means to commiserate with another woman's lack. And instead of saying, oh, you poor thing, I'm in the same boat, we're supposed to say a sister goddess activists got it hear you feel you and guess what yes you can do it and you're going to i'm standing for you sister we're going to make this shit happen that's great but she goes on to talk about you know she goes back to the original fable of amanu amano uzumi amano uzumi and how she challenged amaturasu You know, the one that was raped by her brother and hid in a cave? I don't know if she was raped, but she was definitely stabbed with a spear or something. He pierced her genitals. Yeah, that seems pretty terrible. Yeah, okay. She was assaulted at the very- She was absolutely assaulted. She was felt assaulted and betrayed, and so she hid in a cave. Remember her? Mm Mm-hmm. So, she said that she did not give the abused goddess a shoulder to cry on. She gave her a pussy party. This challenged Amateur Russo to remember who she was, a divine woman capable of continual creation and recreation. Okay, let's stop there for a second. I have more to say, but let's stop there. Okay. So my question here is, okay, she didn't give her a pity party. That's fine. But what if any of those gods or goddesses had entered the cave and mourned with her? Which I think she gets on to say, because she talks about a little bit further down. Uh-uh, not yet, because I know what you're going to say, and okay. I, do, I have things about that too. Okay, all right. Okay, but for this part right here, I mean, what if someone had gone in that cave 
and mourned with her and then reminded her who she was via a pussy party. I don't, would she have remained in that cave so long? Would things have gotten so dark? I mean, we're not just here to be cheerleaders and to be so shallow. You know, to be in true relationship is to be in the darkness and in the light with someone. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of a sister goddess activist is amazing, but in the current form, it seems really limited and kind of can be toxic and say, I'm just here to make sure that shit is positive and you know who you are without acknowledging the pain, you know? Okay. If you don't acknowledge pain, you know, it, it gets buried. It gets put in a box and it means you're going to have to deal with it later when it's grown teeth. Absolutely. And so that was my first issue. Okay. And she does go on to say, what is it that she says? She says, sometimes the recipient is too deep inside the PWC to even catch a whiff of their own pussy perfume, which I didn't like that. She may insist, no matter what, that life is wretched and horrible and unsalvageable. No problem. The activist knows that this is an ideal time to swamp. Invite her sister to pour her grief through her own body. After a good swamp, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So my thing with this is, is the order in which she's doing things. She's like, if being a cheerleader doesn't work and they're too far into the PWC to see their own pussy, swamp with them. Right. I didn't love that either. I think think you're totally right. That if someone says, man, stuff is really shitty right now, step number one is absolutely listening and uh, empathizing, not not commiserating of, oh, me too, and let me tell you my story. No, no. but saying, wow, like, let me validate your feelings. That, that is, is really hard. shitty. That's hard. That's terrible. I'm so sorry that that's happened, et cetera, et cetera, and feeling the grief. And maybe even going, let's swamp some of this because yes. this is hard and big emotion. Here's a dish towel. Let's beat a wall. I mean, whatever, whatever you're – preferred methodology right here grieving swamping whatever you want to call it to move that through should be your second after listening absolutely and then and then and then if you perceive that the person is in a place where they are ready to receive some encouragement (laughs) and potentially depending on the person depending on your your relationship ready to receive a kick in the pants because I know people who it's like you need a kick in the pants and sometimes I've needed a kick in the pants where somebody just needs to tell me girl come on stop fussing but that's being a victim that you feel out and you figure out through relationship yes you don't just start with that you don't just start with that so then she says if after a good swamp the woman still cannot summon the ability to change paradigms and see her own magnificence There is one fail-safe way to get her there. Ready? It's to have her perform an act of sister goddess activism for a woman who is in a similar boat. And let me stop there because my whole thing with this is like, but if you think a woman is as far in the muck as all of that, how would she even know how to perform an act of 
sister goddess activism for someone else. I think our point is that we do. Like we do. We know like if you if you put somebody else into your life and you say help them, then we as women we're like I can totally help them and I can encourage them and say you can do this. You've got all this. And so taking that moment and going, "Wait, look. Now you need to preach that goodness to yourself." It's like a oh moment. I think that's her point. Okay. When you Which, say it, it makes more sense. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad to say it for you then. Because when she says it, it's like, number one, I hate the order in which she put these. Yes. I think we've already established what we believe is the clear order for these things. Yep. But on top of that, it's like, if she, if swamping didn't help and being a cheerleader didn't help, like, what makes this other thing help? And I think that's because for me, when I'm in a really dark place, like, unless you are very, very close to me and I care deeply about you, mm-hmm. I don't know that I can summon the energy to cheerlead somebody else. Sure. You know? Sure. And again, that comes with the relationship of what sort of place are you in? Do you need me to listen and empathize and validate? Do you need me to grieve with you? Do you need me to encourage you and give you like a a nudge in the right direction and say, hey, you are a powerful person. You can do this. Come on. You can do this. I have faith in you. I'm here to help. What do you need? And like, let me walk alongside you in this. Or do you need me to, you know, try and find you somebody else to talk to so that you kind of click and go, oh, I'm the one who needed to tell myself this. Right. Right. So, yeah, we don't love it, but it's. We love it and we don't love it all at the same right. time. Right. It just needs to be <laughs> workshopped. Yeah. Is it all right. is that terrible to say of somebody's life work is that it needs to be workshopped? Needs to be workshopped. Maybe just a little bit. Maybe. It's okay. Oh, um, I did like this one line. I think this is a really important thing. Um, while talking about how to help women get out of the stance of victimization, she must give up all things that keep her small and yet feel like safety to her. I think that's a really good point. And it's it's that whole mindset thing of it's easy to be a victim. It feels safe to be a victim and put the blame and the responsibility on other people and be like, well, I can't X, Y, Z because my boss, because my husband, because my whoever, right? Yeah. But you got to give up that powerlessness and say, I am responsible for my life. I am responsible for my choices. Yes. Even though that feels scary and dangerous. So I like that line. I do too. Um. Before we move on, because I got some more intense things to say, let's go to some positives. She says something that I really like. It says, we need each other, but it's not the neediness of old. It is not the neediness of dependence and desperation. It is not the neediness of mutual victimization. I need you to be as big, blazing, and radiant as you can possibly be. Because the more of your legendary light you step into, the more of mine I can inhabit and embody by standing in my own sacred radiance i open up room for you to stand in yours beyond the parameter of what you or i can imagine loved it loved it so yep. good it's about Again. being a powerful person and you how when big and powerful right Do and it. when you are big and powerful it makes room for other people to be big and powerful I love it. Love it. I have one other sentence that I liked. She said, in order to stand for another woman, you have to first stand for yourself. You must play big in your life so the other women can be inspired by you. 
We are taught to care for others, but activism teaches you to stand for yourself first and to give from your overflow. And I thought that was probably the best sum up of the vibe that I got from our ministry school. Yes. Of like, you got to take care of you. You got to play big in your life and allow your life to inspire others. And that whole, my ceiling is your floor. I'm going to lift you higher. Yes. So, I love that. I love that same section that you're talking about right now. She goes on to talk about overflow and how we, you know, we have to give from a place of overflow. If we don't have it, we can't give it. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, we learned this a decade ago. Yeah. So yeah, a decade. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. Okay. Did you have anything to say about team activism? No. Okay. Skipping right along. Um, becoming a activist do you have things to say there i've got two highlights in this section i just i liked her steps to becoming a sister goddess activist Mm -hmm. i like that she gave us tangible steps totally i think this line is super super important um she says overgiving and martyrdom are not activism although they are states that feel incredibly familiar to women they are the antithesis of spirit of what is it? Sister goddess activists, which I agree. Um, activism feels joyful. It feels fun. You have to be feeling pretty fine about yourself in order to play. I love that. And then, yeah, she gives these specific steps, which are good. They're good. Yeah. Uh, just to like go over a couple, you realize that your life is a gift and you are also oh grateful to the GPS to be alive. You notice wonderful things are always happening to you and you are willing and able to brag about your life at any moment. You know how to manage your own garbage. You don't blame others when things don't seem to go your way. You immediately grab the tools of swamping or spring cleaning to get back in balance. You have a strong sister goddess community surrounding you with whom you practice the tools and arts daily. Which, I'm just mentioning a few of these, she does mention her tools and what she thinks are the best ways to live out these things. But what I like about it is that she gives actionable steps. Yeah. Yep. And like mindset-y steps. Mindset-y even. steps. Yeah. Yeah. And so then she says something that I hate. And this is one of the last things I have for this chapter. <laughs> Let's hear it. She says, a sister goddess knows that every single step in her storyline has been created of her by her and for her. She knows that she is no one's victim. She has rejected the cultural pull towards commiseration and victimhood. She replaces these habits with the unshakable sense that she herself is called in every circumstances in her life for the purpose of taking her higher. I like 95% of that and I I despise 5% of it. I am in the same boat. I just, I wish she would have admitted, like omitted a few of these words. Like of her, by her, and Shit happens. Shit happens sometimes that is outside of our control. Yes. Not everything is within my control and my creation. Sometimes we just live in a fucking broken world. Yep. And my worldview is different from hers in that I don't believe that God brings bad into our life. I believe that he can use bad to bring good because he's that good and loving, but I don't think he pushes us down the stairs. I don't think they push us down the stairs. Yeah. So. So that was chapter nine. We did it. Hold on. No, 
I might have one other spot. Okay, just kidding. Mm. Okay, here's my final. Let's end on a positive. Okay, end on a positive. Yes, my final paragraph about what a sister goddess activist is and does. She is always practicing an elevation of consciousness. She sees taking other people higher as a form of delicious entertainment, as both a living prayer and a badass lifestyle. She likes inspiring men, women, and children into a higher state of awareness and appreciation with the attention she places on them. She is a radiant, embodied woman who makes the investment to enjoy every step of her journey. Great. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we have finished nine <laughs> chapters <laughs> of Pussy. We did it. We did the thing. Oh, man. What are some of your thoughts? Just on the book as a whole. This book, I'm so grateful to you for uh, reading it with me. I know that we were both really anxious at the beginning of it. And you're like, what is this book you want me to read? And I'm all, I don't even know, but I need someone to read it with me. Please, please, please. So that's that's how this podcast started out, folks. So that's kind of fun. Some behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Yeah. Started out with all sorts of trepidation and anxiety about this freaky book called Pussy. Um, I appreciate things. Um, I appreciate that I am able to say the word pussy. Pussy, pussy, pussy. <laughs> pussy, pussy, pussy. I just had to be careful, you know, and maybe not say it around other people, but maybe do say it around other people. We'll yeah. Shake that, um, shake that paradigm. I appreciate the the shaking of paradigms that has happened. Um, I do not think that I've done a complete world shift. Um, There are things that I like. Um, There are a lot of things in this book that I would say I have already learned or are being reset from other books that I actually enjoyed more or I thought said them better. Um, But it, it reaffirmed good things. And I mean, there was, there was some new stuff as well that was good and then there was a lot of stuff that was like sort of meh and i'll just sort of you know shake it off and let it go so all in all i'd probably give this book a three and a half star rating out of five okay yeah that's I, pretty I mean, high yeah i know I, i'm like you're so gracious. for for what it is i think it does its job so if i am assessing it for what it is I would give it three and a half to four stars. Um, That being said, there are definitely things that I still don't fully understand. There are things that I disagree with. Um, There are things that I I am currently firmly like, that's not the life I want to live. And so, no, thank you. Um, I'm going to take the good and just let the meh flush away. Okay. So. So before I answer. Okay. If there was one chapter that you think people definitely needed to read, what's the one? I have no idea. Don't ask me that question. Okay. I haven't. I did not think about that at all. Okay. I have no idea. I don't even remember what all the chapters were. Okay. No, you have an answer kidding. to that question? Yes, I do. Okay. Clitoracy, probably. Okay. Um, and looking at our chapters here, for me, I think that was, I think it was that one that was the most helpful and the most unique to this book versus like, Hey, if I want to learn about how to be a healthy person, I want to read books like boundaries and like keep your love on and like 
I don't know. There's other options. Other stuff. That which I would we will highly explore. recommend. <laughs> way above highly recommending this one. But if you want to talk about bringing some changes to your sex life and the way that you approach your body and orgasm and all of that jazz, I think this book and that chapter on clitoracy um, has really great resources and good points. Awesome. Okay. Okay. How did you feel about this book okay. overall? So. Your rating. <laughs> you can be honest here. I know. Just hit us with it. We I already know. know. We I already know. know. They can't I see know. your faces. Listeners, you can't see her face, but oh my gosh, it's just holding back. No, it's just preparing. Preparing. I'm braced. I'm so excited. Okay. I wanted to like this book mm-hmm. so much. And so I am very disappointed. Oh, so what's your rating? Oh, it's like a two. A two. Okay. Yeah. I am grateful to this book because it came at a time when I was, when I needed it, especially those first couple of chapters. Mm -hmm. But like, you know me, when I get something, I get something. So after the first couple of chapters, it's like, I don't need it anymore. Yes. Yep. And And I would agree with that. And like you said, we have already learned a lot of the basics of this book in ministry school of all places right and you know even as we deconstruct and reconstruct our faith so on and so forth like you said this wasn't completely shifting no no did it i don't know like for me jesus jesus was missing and i respect her great pussy in the sky belief like okay that's great that that's your belief but for me I need Jesus to be the reason that I live the life that I do because Jesus values me so much more than I can ever know and understand and so that for me is should be the source of why I value me I, so, I don't know but I'm I sorry know. I'm interrupting your review that's okay. forgive me that's okay forgive me. for me it's like I respect the great pussy in the sky I 100% believe that there is something divine about our pussies absolutely I would respect her views on the great pussy in the sky a lot more if they didn't seem so selfish sure Yep. And didn't produce selfish fruit. Yeah. I also think that in a lot of her chapters, her examples are bananas that she uses and are very thin threads. She can thinly tie them and not just Mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman. There have been a couple of others that she's used throughout this book that seem inappropriate. Sure. Also, this book didn't need to be this thick. Agreed. It could have been a pamphlet. She drags on. She goes over the same shit over and over and over again, which I fucking hate. And it just, she's not as clever as she thinks she is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. She, I am sure she is a very charming and clever woman. She wouldn't have a multi-million dollar business if she, if she wasn't. She's way richer than you or I, which is awesome. That's great. You are living the life you want. Awesome. Great. Glad you're enjoying it. But I didn't love this book. And I I think when you try and be that clever and just throw swear words in all random, like just to be cool and shit, 
when it's not actually, it doesn't seem like it's part of your daily vernacular, you know? Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. seems silly. So I didn't love this book. I give it two stars. Two stars. That's fair. Yeah. It needed yeah, okay. editing. It did need editing. It could have been at half as long, yes. I think. Um, and I think I would have been satisfied if it had, I don't know, stopped after. Let me look at my chapters here again. If it was just the first four chapters, I, I think that would have been satisfactory. The last five were less important to me. I don't know. I guess Rupture had some good points. I was about to say, for you, Clitoracy was the big chapter that people needed. For me, it's Rupture. Yeah, Though, Rupture was really good. I would say, just listen to our podcast instead. <laughs> sure. Because... Viv does a great job of breaking down that chapter. (laughs) There were good things. There were good nuggets throughout the book. Um, I think it did. I think it did what she wanted it to do. Um, I don't know that there are very many people that I would recommend this book to. Nope. Um, There might be a few that I would mention it to, but there, I, I don't think I would passionately recommend it to anyone. That I can think of off the top of my head. No, I, I might mention it to people. It's sure. an interesting read. I think it has good bones, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't recommend it, which bums me out. I really yeah. wanted to like this book. <sighs> such is life, though, right? I know, such is life. Yeah. Okay. So, what is one or two takeaways of things that you liked, or things that you um, want to apply to your life? Or just, hey, this is my favorite part. You mentioned the chapter rupture. Yeah, I think that giving space for grief is very important. I think that having a community of sister goddesses or female friends, whatever it is, that actually uplift one another is mm-hmm. and keep each other accountable for how awesome they are is important. And then also, there was one other thing, just one. What did I say so far? Rupture and grief. Yeah. Sister goddesses. Yeah. Give me a second, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Take as much time as you need. Thanks. Favorite frames. Favorite frames. Yep. Favorite frames. Yeah. It put... So the third would be favorite frames. I think it put gratitude in... A new light for me, which I've Mm -hmm. got a bunch of hangups about gratitude that I have been trying to work out for well over a decade. Mm -hmm. I hate gratitude lists. I think they're stupid as fuck. Don't worry. We'll get there. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm hoping to grow from by doing this podcast. Yes. Because I know that people say gratitude is important. I know that like science says gratitude is important. (laughs) Yes. And so favorite frames feels like a stepping stone for me to sort of turn my thoughts on that. So I'm really thankful for that. Love that. Love that. And just as a reminder, we will have at least one more podcast kind of going over the homework that was sprinkled throughout this book. Yes, we're going to have a few mini episodes covering the homework from this book. Yes. 
and maybe we'll even talk about some of the tools and arts that she mentions in the appendix of this yeah, book. Because we're not so. we're not we're not giving that its own chapter. Yeah, no. We're not doing the afterword. There's an afterword and appendix. There is an afterword. I read the afterword. A research and section. I didn't hate the afterword. And in fact, I'm I think one of the best most sum up lines is found in the afterward. That's good because as soon as it got to chapter nine being done, I was like, and I'm out. So tell me. (laughs) I read it. It was only like two or three pages. Too much. So I'm going to give you this little line here and then we'll do our checkout and wrap up. Okay. So here, if you're only going to take one thing away from the book, here is what I would encourage you to take away this question. How will you bless yourself with your own approval today and every day? Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. I mean, it's like, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what turn on is. Yes. Your own approval. We finally like, Jesus figured Christ, it out. why couldn't you say that at the fucking <laughs> beginning of the book? But okay, turn on is your own approval yes. that you bless yourself with. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I can do that. You can do that. Let's encourage the world to do that. We don't need to hate ourselves any no. longer. Let's give ourselves some personal approval. A hundred and ten fucking percent. And with that, Charlie, how do you leave today? I am leaving cleansed. <laughs> I do Would you not- like to say anything more about that? Yeah. I do not have to worry about the chapters of this book any longer. I get to look forward to our new adventure. Mm -hmm. We get to start, we're going to be doing some of the actionable steps, which I, you know, I love a good actionable homework step. Yes, you do. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And today... One of my friends told me that I looked cute and comfy, which is my entire brand. So I love her. <laughs> oh, I love it. So that's how I'm leaving. Cute and comfy Excellent. and ready for the next adventure. Holla. How about you? Thank you, you for sharing. Yeah. Um, I am leaving feeling a little bit like I just finished running a marathon or something. Yes. Like, woof, we made it. I never thought we would get to the end. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a nice feel. Um, and at the same time, it's not like the end, the end, because no. we'll be back with another season and another book. And um, we don't quite know yet which one we're going to do, but we've got a list and that's exciting and like anticipatory. So I'm going to find myself some favorite frames and digest this last season with y'all. And do that homework to the best of my ability. And then I'm going to start anticipating season number two. Yay! Yeah. Awesome. And so before we get into our usual sign out, I just wanted to let y'all know, we are planning on answering any write-ins, any questions, anything you have for us during these mini episodes that are coming up when we talk about the homework. So please send in your questions, send in your emails, talk to us. We want to be there with you. Be our sister goddesses. (laughs) Please never say that again. (laughs) Mr. Goddesses? No. Nope. No. I'm just trying to be more inclusive here. No, thank you. I think 
I think community needs men and women. Community needs all the peoples. It needs the men, the women, the non-binaries. It needs all the peoples. Needs the children, needs the old folks. Does it need the old folks? It fucking needs the old folks. Yes. That's my own thing. It's my own thing. I'm working on it. We are working on it. Thanks again for joining us in the middle of our mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review us or share us with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at Don't Mind the Mess Pod or send us an email at Don't Mind the Mess Pod at gmail.com to join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you and join you in your mess. Until next time, be kind to those around you. We're all a little messy. Bye.